Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and we are recapping Dark. We are up to episode nine. Everything is now is what this thing is called. And I am here with my co-host from one of my stories. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. Episode nine. We're nearing the end of season one. Yes, we've got one more to go after this, and it was really hard not to watch it at this point. (laughs) I always like to call these episodes before the last episode the penultimate episode because it seems like the most happens in like the episode before the last episode of a season of a show, and that's how I'm feeling this week. A lot of stuff happened, and this might be my favorite one so far. Yeah, I... I I echo those sentiments. I had put in my recap that this is the best episode I had seen so far Hmm. for several reasons, but we'll get into that during the recap. We're going to have to, (laughs) because we got some recapping to do. Um, Let's see. I wanted to begin with um, just a little look back on Helge, if you don't mind, Lindsay. Okay. So... uh, Yeah, we left Helge last week, and we, of course, know that Ulrich smashed him in. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. we know from the show that, you know, he's an old man. We see him, like, wandering around saying it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, Which raises the question that somebody might ask. um, We know that Ulrich didn't kill Helge here. But one might ask, what would have happened if... Ulrich had killed Helge. Um, I kind of have an answer for that, but... um, Wow, you have the answer? Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, just I'm intrigued. Well, I I paused there because I didn't know if you wanted to jump in. I mean... (laughs) Okay, I'll keep going. (laughs) I mean, I think you should keep going, yeah. Okay, I think the simple answer for that is there's no way that Ulrich could have killed Helge. Because Ulrich has already seen and encountered Helge as an old man. Therefore, there's Mm -hmm. just no possible way that um, he could have killed Helge. Even if he'd smashed the rock as hard as he could, something would have prevented that from happening. Because we already know that Helge grows up to be an old man. So, like, we see things linear. One, two, three. Young, middle-aged, old. But in this case... We see old first. We meet old Helge first. So Mm -hmm. then when we meet young Helge, there's no way that old Helge can exist unless the young Helge exists and grows up. So if if Ulrich had, you know, tried to finish the job and tried to kill um, Helge, I just don't think it, I think it would not have been remotely possible. That's the conclusion that I came up with is because he's dealt with the old Helge already. Yeah, there's actually a moment in this episode that we'll get to in the recap when Ulrich kind of has this moment of confusion because he believes he can change, as he said, I can change the future and the past. And it's one of those moments when you want to sit Ulrich down and go... (laughs) Ulrich, buddy, that's not how time travel works. Have you watched Back to the Future yet? (laughs) Have you seen Sliders? I mean, come on, we know this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's operating on a set of rules that that don't exist, but it's that thought that, 
Yes, I can have an impact thing in the timeline. And, you know, there are movies where that works. So um, not Back (laughs) to the Future, but there are other movies where it works. And um, and I think that it's just, yeah, it's a great point to bring up. And there's there will be a couple of moments in. Uh, season two and season three as well, where a character again tries to exert some type of force. And just like what you said happens that it's not there's no universe that exists where you can you can accomplish that goal. Right. And time travel is handled in different shows and different movies differently. And it's mm-hmm. really botched a lot of times. I got to admit um, you kind of, I guess my earliest example is the movie time after time, which I saw sometime like in the eighties and like in that movie, a guy went back and changed time. And, you know, I thought that was so quaint at the time, but then thinking about it and comparing it to dark, it's like that could not have happened with the, with the real laws of reality. Um, because we're, we're dealing with fantasy, but also there, um, Bo and Jante mix in, you know, actual physics with us. And I believe, I think the reason that we're, um, that we're even doing this and that we're giving the show credence is because we do know that they stuck the landing here at the end and they kept everything consistent. And I don't Mm -hmm. think there's a whole lot of, um, holes we're going to find, but that's the thing that was going through my mind when I was, when this episode, when I saw Ulrich sitting there in front of the, um, bunker that all those thoughts were going through my head like oh what if he had killed him let's see let me let me try to replay play this out in the show and it just did not work and then I realized oh well that's because we, he has he has to live there's no way he could not it's like a what's that movie um final destination <laughs> Ulrich got final destinationed mm-hmm. <laughs> have you seen the the Thriller series. I read the book, The Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three by Stephen King. Did you ever? Oh no, um, no. Oh, well, it's a very, it's a very interesting one where a guy, you know, finds a doorway to the past, and he's trying to stop JFK from getting shot because he's basically told that this is the event that changed the course of American history, and if JFK wasn't shot, then huh. um, then the world would be a better place. Okay, and so the guy keeps going back having you know going through a time loop he gets so far and then he fails and so he keeps going back Uh and he's horrified to discover at the end that um he has not he has just created more realities (laughs) right Um, so it gets into it turns into a multiverse thing um but the but that's that's kind of the idea here if he um if he managed to kill Helg, it wouldn't be this reality. It would have to be a different reality or a different dimension, um, you know, a parallel world. But um but yeah. That sounds cool. I I know about that book and I um I, I assumed it was about JFK based on the date. So I just mm-hmm. thought it was like Stephen King's funky take on the JFK assassination. I didn't know it had anything to do with time travel, so I should check that out. Absolutely. And speaking of checking things yeah. out, we should check out this episode, right, Lindsay? Yeah, let's check it out. One of the things I really like about this episode is that it uses a frame that we haven't seen in, in really an episode, any episode yet, right? We have 
the motions of the time machine are the frame of the episode. Yeah. So you have these three cylinders in the time machine. And so as each we visit each of the three time periods we've come to so far, 1953, 1986, and 2019, another cylinder comes up. Mm -hmm. And so there's a structure to it. So that makes it kind of fancy. I love it. it reminds me of Time Bandits. I like it a lot. Um, so there, as you, there is, this does start with one of those quotes, one of those famous quotes that I usually hate and usually love, but um, <laughs> we have the pictures, the photos of all the people, and they say, man has always puzzled over his origin, his genesis, created by God or a product of evolution. If we could see yesterday and tomorrow at the same time, the origin and the end, the entire universe in a single moment, we might finally find answers to the biggest questions of all. What is man? Where does he come from? What drives him? What is his purpose? And we see all the images. Yeah. I usually love these type of things. And I did love the images, of course. The images, I mean, enraptured me. I, I love that um, function of the show of showing us the um, the still images of the faces. But I am, I'm getting tired of the... Uh, <laughs> The long-winded talk, Lindsay. I'm starting to come onto your side over here. <laughs> I was a little mad at the show, like when it started out this way. I got to admit, because I'm like, y'all are just making fun of us right now. Y'all, <laughs> y'all have all the answers, and y'all are just making fun of us. That's how I saw it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it'd be easy to come to that come to that conclusion, but I think, as in everything. Each moment means something. And so when they put these when they put these speeches in an episode, I feel like they're sort of breadcrumbing us. Yeah. And they're almost giving us what you could call spoilers. Yes. But they would be hard to really piece out until you've watched the whole show. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> And I mean, I appreciate what they're doing. They're getting you in the mood for the show. They're trying to set your mind in the right track now and get you to start mm -hmm. thinking about these things. But I think it's too much. It's it's too heavy handed. Um, at yeah. least in this episode, I was I was upset about it. Maybe I'll be better later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I like, I do like about this one speech, and I did, did decide to add to the recap, even though I didn't have it before, because I like this question about if we could see yesterday and tomorrow at the same time, the origin and the end. And I was thinking mm. how they show the people in the different time periods. Mm -hmm. And so we think about the character of Hel Helge, for instance. Mm -hmm. We've seen him um, yesterday and tomorrow at the same time. We see him in three time periods. <laughs> right. As a, as a young boy, as a young man, and then an old man. And so we're they're asking us to say, you know, if you look at the whole picture of Helg, what is Helg? What is man? You know, where does he come from? How did he get created? Oh, and okay. And it's almost like we become, we're able to, we were able to see a piece of how God sees, you know, because we can, we're seeing the alpha and the omega. We're seeing the beginning okay. and the end. Um, so we're becoming, for this moment, we become omniscient. We're becoming omniscient where dark is concerned. We're getting <laughs> to see the whole picture. Um, so oh, okay. it's 
It's kind of a, this quote didn't annoy me quite as much. And I guess it's perfect that we keep, we keep <laughs> dancing, doing this dance, Steve. When you're annoyed, I'm overjoyed. <laughs> I like your explanation there. That, that makes a lot of sense. And it, um, I'm not sure if it's going to bring me back around, but it does. <laughs> yeah. You've spoken for it well, so I yeah. applaud you. All right, so we're in we're on cylinder one now, which is 1953, and it actually tells us 1953. So we're not yeah. making that up; it actually says it on the screen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we open on the Doppler family uh, burned. We we cut to him very quickly, where he's kind of looking at the site of where the power plant is being built, looking very somber. And then we cut to Greta who's forlornly thinking about Helge and wondering if it's her fault they disappeared mm-hmm. and was she too hard on him about his pants? <laughs> yes, Greta, you were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree with that. She was too hard on him. She's an awful woman. I think she might be one of the worst moms I've seen. But mm-hmm. it's not her it's not her fault that Helge I mean, you can be the best parent in the world and do everything correct and be as loving as possible. And these things can still happen to your child. So I appreciate that she is having some internalization about this, but I don't Mm -hmm. blame her for for Helgate's disappearance. Right. Yet it was sort of refreshing to see her kind of questioning herself and feeling guilty. (laughs) Um now guilt is only guilt is only effective if it has an impact on how you treat someone in the future and right um but but yeah it's it's nice that she's doing this and i like also how burned just looks at her with uh i don't know what would you call this look he gave her sort of disgust i don't know i was almost thinking like an accusing look yes silent accusation yeah and like I was saying, I don't think it's her fault. And I do mm-hmm. think that anything bad could happen. But I do think that, you know, as a parent, you can make those chances go up and down. You know what I mean? Like there's always a in a small chance that a terrible thing could happen to your child. But if you nurture them and keep them safe, that chance is like 0.1%. Whereas if you don't pay any attention to your kid or if you're really mean to them and they don't want to be around you, then those chances jump up some. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think his look was like a culmination of everything. Just kind of like, you were not a very nice mother and look what's happened. And I think yeah. that's what that look said to me. <laughs> so then Ulrich is sitting in front of the hatch with bloody hands. Mm-hmm. And Egon arrives at work, young Egon, and... Daniel tells Egon to speak to Bern Dobler that he's waiting in his office about Helge's disappearance. And before he goes into the room, Egon tells Conwald about the strange man, mm-hmm. Ulrich, who visited yesterday. And the man was asking about Helge and raving about a missing boy. And so Conwald tells Egon to quietly put out an APB on Ulrich. This is like a good on Egon situation. Like he put those things together like very quickly and he acted very quickly. So in my mm-hmm. eyes, I, you know, he kind of went up a couple notches there because he was just, you know, so good at the connections. Yeah, I do. I agree with that. But again, 
I don't know. Just because a guy shows up and he's worried about his kid doesn't make him doesn't make him a murderer. But I mean, we've set up a world where Egon and Ulrich have to hate each other. So um, <laughs> they're arch nemeses. Um, so yeah, he's going to, he's going to hunt him down. But um, it's good to look at all suspects. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Well, he said Hellgate. That Ulrich came in there like a madman and like, Helge, Helge, like... That's true. And now Helge's missing. So, I don't know. I thought that connection was very quick. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, once Egon enters the room, Doppler doesn't really waste any time. He says, find my son, whatever it takes. And even if it means delaying the opening of the power plant. Mm-hmm. That's serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, he's a businessman, but it's nice to see that he um, is, in general, cares more about Helge than things being on schedule. Yeah, I was a little worried about that, actually, because <laughs> he's so into the power plant. So I was kind of relieved when he, you know, uh, prioritized Helge over the plant because he is really into that plant. We've seen him like feverish about it. So that means he's really into Helge, too, which is nice. <laughs> mm hmm. He did a real like hesitant handshake, like he didn't want to shake hands with Egon when they first came in. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah, I think we were supposed to notice that. Yeah, I think that Burned is supposed to be. Yeah, I don't like Burned is supposed to be annoyed at the police in general. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's right. And now he hates um, the fact he has to go in there. Yeah. Yeah, or and and or it could be like letting out of letting us know that he doesn't respect Egon or like the whole town hates Egon or something. Sure. I don't know. But we also have seen there's sort of this fight, right, between the police, the law and the power plant Absolutely. industry. <laughs> um so maybe this is another just a representation of that. Yeah, okay. That's I'll take that. I also noticed that um, Burnt didn't let Egon ask any follow-up questions whatsoever. Like, all he, all we mm. know is 3 o'clock, that's it. So, <laughs> I know this is like a TV show, but, you know, he ran out of there without even giving him a chance for any follow-up, any clues or anything. So, Egon's what going on nothing. Three, can you say 3 o'clock? Now, I'm, I'm drawing a blank there. Oh, yeah, um... That's the only piece of information that Burnt gave um, Egon. Helge's missing. When was the last time you saw him? Three o'clock. And um, that was the only question that he allowed. All he would say after that was, find my son, find my son. And then he walked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something just dawned on me as we were talking about Burnt and how he's caring about Helge more than his wife is. Okay. I'm kind of seeing a pattern that the dads kind of blow the moms out of the water in general in this show. <laughs> um, hmm. If if we think about um, if we think about Bern Doppler, obviously mm -hmm. he's the more loving parent. Uh, with Peter and Charlotte, yep. Um, Peter is the one he came to Elizabeth's. Um, Defense when Charlotte was kind of talking to her like an interrogation <laughs> officer. Um, Ulrich, we haven't before the fight. Like yes. Ulrich was the one that was like the 
calm presence in the house and Katerina was like asking anybody what to do. Yeah, he's definitely, um, Ulrich is also, I think his relationship with Mikkel being strong was established. Ah, right. And he's doing all this stuff for his, for his son missing, like, even though we, we don't like the actions he's taking, um, he's, it does seem to be a good father. Hmm. And, um, also Egon, um, Egon, you know, went to make sure he got his daughter's dog. So we're seeing like this thing where the the dads are kind of the more loving parent or the parent that's there for their kid, whereas the moms wow. are kind of, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. In almost all cases, like, you know, Charlotte's obsessed with the case. She works a lot. Um, Katerina's crazy. Hannah's crazy. Um, just straight up, both of them. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm trying to think about Alexander and Regina. I haven't really seen them as parents yet, so we can't say at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I see your point. Um, I hope Alexander is just as nice to Bartosh as all these other dads are. Yeah. So then Claudia and Tronte are searching for Gretchen, the dog, in the woods. Yes. Claudia smiles at Chante and tells him that he looks just like James Dean. He loves it, too. <laughs> <laughs> and asks if he has a girlfriend. She does the whole thing. The girls will be crazy for you. So do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> and then Claudia asks why he and his mother left their last home. Right. He just says his mother wanted a change. And then Claudia says how beautiful she thinks Agnes is. Right. Elegant and beautiful. And I saw his birthmark. I saw his birthmark this scene. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that she supposited that maybe um, his parents were bank robbers is what she was like joking around about. Mm -hmm. But then we see a bank robber later on in the show. (laughs) I wondered if that might have been a joke about James Dean, but I don't think he played a bank robber in any of his movies. Um, you would know more than me, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is, you know, again, this like, you know, we kind of are learning why Claudia might have been in a, you know, she was having an affair with Tronte, so somehow, you know, they formed this connection yeah, based it's, on living, sharing a house for a little bit. Yeah, and it's clear they click too. It seems like they like, they like each other from the get go. So that makes total sense. I mean, I'm sorry that they did some cheating later on. They should have just hooked up at this point and just <laughs> stuck with it. Yeah. Um. So then we go to the Tiedemann household, and Agnes sits at a table in a stunning blue dress, mm-hmm. which is even prettier than the red one she was wearing before, at least in my opinion. Now, the red one's pretty fantastic, but I thought she looked really nice in the blue. And I remember that I supposited that blue might mean duty. Um, okay. So, um, <clears throat> And this is a really interesting scene, so I'm really curious what you think about what you saw here. Um, Doris comes down in a yellow dress worn over a petticoat and Doris seems flushed and says she's never worn a dress like this before. Agnes is 
kind of fastening all the ties because Doris has this dress on, but she sort of hasn't, <laughs> she hasn't sort of dressed it up, you know, she didn't, she she had didn't really tie the tie part on her neck and put the belt on so it's a very she's shabbily dressed in this dress i guess you could say um but they're they're talking about their marriages and uh you know agnes says she was married to a priest and that they were married for 15 years and that he wasn't a good person. Hmm. And the interaction seems <laughs> really innocent, but Agnes is kind of touching her in ways that seem rather intimate. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess so, yeah. where I'm coming from, um, when you say that her dress, she didn't have the, the necktie on there right, and she didn't have the belt on right, mm-hmm. Um. I kind of got the vibe that she wasn't quite committed to that dress. Like she put it on to like, you know, just try it out, but she didn't want to really try it on to its full extent. It was just kind of like a temporary thing. And so then we have Agnes is like trying to tie it up to make it permanent to like, you know, this is how it goes. And, I think she tries a little too hard because that pushes um, the other one away. Um, that's kind of like the the clothing <laughs> mm-hmm. psychology I got behind that. And of course, I was looking at the colors. I was paying very close attention to yellow because every time I see yellow now, I'm thinking something important is going to happen. And that's what I saw is I saw that her not fully committing to this. Agnes is really trying to get her to and tie her up. <laughs> and um, Doris is not with it mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> okay yeah i don't know i saw it a little differently i thought of it more as that you know she mentions she's never worn a dress this nice before mm-hmm. that she feels like the queen <laughs> so i kind of i f- was relating this to like how i used to and you know you find a fancy dress at the mall or dress shop and you're not used to wearing these kinds of things so you put it on like how does this go you know like this strap <laughs> goes here and and whatever like she's just um okay unfamiliar you know, she's the wife of the policeman and the clothes we've seen her in so far are rather plain they're much more plain whereas these are like fancy dresses and that She's just kind of not used to dressing up, maybe. Like, Mm -hmm. Egon is always gone. Maybe they don't go out on dates very much. We've never seen... Of course, we've never seen a restaurant. Yeah, I don't know where they would go. Except for a bakery. (laughs) (laughs) So who knows where they go for a good time. Um, But I kind of saw it as her... Doris just being a little awkward, almost. Like, that she doesn't know how to put things on and I mean I I still if I have to tie a bow on a dress I'm completely <laughs> helpless my mommy sees that kind of stuff for me <laughs> well when you were saying about how like she it's kind of disheveled it makes me think about like when a guy will put on like a nice shirt and like in a tie but he doesn't know how to tie the tie and he leaves a shirt untucked it's like one of those kind of deals mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's like you have the spirit here but you're you need you need to you need to commit to this look here yeah and, and Doris is all like, well, what would Egon say? And Agnes is like, well, what could he say? 
And the queen would be happy to have you as a guest. So she's really kind of buttering her up. And then yeah. she puts her chin and is like, puts her arms around her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just very, um, it's very intimate. And she wants Doris to keep this dress. And um, Dor- Doris is like, no, I think I'm going to take it off. And Agnes has this just very intriguing look on her face, like, um, it was very hard to read that look, as yeah. a matter of fact. So what did, did you have, what was your read on Agnes's facial expressions here, like when she leaves the room? I've got an interesting theory. Um, okay. Maybe it's based on something I already know. I don't know. But when she was saying that her husband was a pastor, but he wasn't religious and he wasn't a good man, it made me think about Noah. Mm-hmm. And then we see Noah in this episode tinkering with the time machine, talking about time. And so I'm thinking that maybe this is Noah's wife and she's aware of all this and maybe she is trying to get Doris in this yellow dress for some timey-wimey reason. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it definitely, of course, makes you think about Noah because um, we're all suspicious of him. Absolutely. More so now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can try all you want to get somebody else to do something, but that other person has to want it too. And at this point, it's obvious that, you know, she was pushing too hard and she pushed her away. Because like when she, like you said, when she like put her arm around her and stuck her chin on her shoulder and got all close, that's exactly when Doris was like, uh, no thanks, I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, definitely made, she was a little uncomfortable with with the uh, the attention she was getting, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back, all right? Gotcha. And we are back, Lindsay, and I'm going to take a quick now, break and we'll be I'm right back. I'm going to allow you to uh, go to the Doppler house if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> so we're now back at the Doppler house and Greta is with Noah. And she admits that when she was pregnant with Helge, she prayed for him to be taken away. Yikes. Or that harm would befall him because he may not be Burns' child. Double yikes. <laughs> yeah. So this was, this was something you speculated about first. You were wondering, um, you know, we were talking about why she dislikes him so much and or why she treats him so poorly. Mm-hmm. And I guess she has... You know, here she's admitting she has this conflicted relationship with him, and she always has, because when she looks at him, she thinks about how he's not a child of, what did she say? He's not a child of love. Right. Um, And so I guess um, the, she may have been raped. Um, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just, I didn't think about that until you just said that, and that, I made that connection. I don't like it. Yeah. What do you mean you don't like it? I mean, of course, oh, we don't like don't, we don't like. Jack. I don't like to think about the fact that that she may have been raped and and Helge yeah. is the is the you know son of that. Um, yeah. I like to think that maybe she had a loving affair with somebody, but it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it. She says it's not from love. So if she was having a consensual relationship with somebody, it was not about love. Hmm. Yeah. So it's. As much as we don't like her, it kind of 
gives us a little insight into her actions. Um, and Noah's response is quite interesting, as it usually is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he basically tells her that everyone is selfish and, and sinful, but that she can't fall farther than God's hands. And mm-hmm. case in point, God sent me to you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, meaning, meaning I'm a messenger of God. Um, but, you know, she says something like, what if it's not God's hands? What if it's the devil's hands? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, fair point. Yeah. So Noah basically tells her that, hey, even no matter what you've done, God still has you is the message of comfort that he's giving. Yet because of the creepy music and Noah's <laughs> weird facial expressions, <laughs> the affect is more disturbing than comforting, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. It's weird tension in the room here. <laughs> and it's supposed to be like a priest comforting a, a mother. And it's, well, I guess, the, you know, the confessions that she's making, she's really having some breakthroughs here. Yeah. Um, I think regardless of what happens in the future, I mean, she is definitely like faced with her trauma here. I mean, I don't, she's probably about the age of, of me, I guess she's probably younger than me, but I think people just come upon a part in a time in their life when they're, they've, they've been going through the motions and they're in their own head and she's been controlling Helge and she's been living her life of hate or whatever. And then this thing happens and then she has to like recontextualize everything. She has to re-examine her past. She has to re-examine who she is. And I'm not saying this is like something that she should be going through, but this is something that she's going through. She's going through a lot. And Mm -hmm. obviously she's blaming herself and this new information is, I don't know, it's, it's more conflicting than ever. Right. And we're not even as much as we're kind of like, man, why are you why are you touching her? Like like Noah, <laughs> like puts his hand on top of her like that's, you know, unsolicited touching, dude. That's not OK for a priest. Um, <laughs> but also he's praying, but he's looking at the picture of Helge. So right. then we're like, gosh, is this dude a child predator. I mean, what is his deal? <laughs> um, plus, we know he's already, you know, killing kids. So. It makes us really concerned for Helge, um, as well as Greta, but she seems really into it. I mean, she's dabbing her mouth with her handkerchief. Like, oh, that yeah, that last part, yeah. I'm drooling. I don't know what. <laughs> that's what. That's what I was thinking. She was drooling. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we know that that Helge and and Noah are like I don't know if they're buddies, but they're they're in it together, right? Like. We saw them later in this episode as an adult Helge and Noah hanging out. And Noah was the exact same age. We saw them. When, when you say we saw them, what did we see them doing? Um, hanging out in the, uh, the blue chair room. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. You're right. So later in this episode. Um, th- yeah. They're together. Um, but we know that Helge is might have some mental um sure mental issues or mental lack of some kind yeah and so it does 
open up the concept of what kind of relationship did they have oh. when Noah, when when Helge was a child. Okay. Um, so we haven't really seen that yet. Okay, I was wondering why um, so you're bringing that up, yeah. and that that it makes that makes a lot of sense. What I guess what I know is that Noah seems to know everything. So I'm thinking, like in this scene, he's he's comforting. Um, what is her name? Greta. He's comforting Greta in his weird way, but in his head, he knows who Helge is. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I just. <laughs> <laughs> it mm-hmm. it seems like it's possible that he could know who Helge becomes. We don't know that, but that's just kind of the vibe I got when he was glancing over at the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps he's, yeah, perhaps he hasn't met young Helge yet, or maybe he has, but he's, He's all, yeah, he's definitely looking at Helge's picture, but it's just how his looks, his facial expressions are so cryptic. Um, and it's just far too early in the show, but it <laughs> it does make you think, like, what is Noah up to and what is he doing with these boys? Because we haven't, all we've seen is they put him in the chair, yeah. see what their bodies like afterwards when they're dead. Um, so it doesn't seem pleasant either way. <laughs> no, I don't like body horror, so I hope they don't show what happens in between. I don't want to see anybody mm-hmm. get zapped in real time. That would be not fun. And then as Noah is praying about, um, you know, anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows, the table, mm-hmm. setting a table before my enemies, um, we see Ulrich walking down the road. <clears throat> which is a weird juxtaposition of the Lord's Prayer with, um, or sorry, Psalm 23 with um, Ulrich walking along the road. And Egon is in his car and stops when he spots Ulrich. Uh, and this, you know, you can't help but think about older Egon picking up um Jonas, right? Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about that, but now I do. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Same road, same place. (laughs) There's always people. It seems like there's always people driving down this road and somebody's walking and the person will Mm -hmm. stop to pick them up. And in this case, it's Ulrich. And that is who Egon is looking for. And Ulrich's face is covered with blood and... He knows he's guilty of sin, so of course he uh, just begins to run. (laughs) (laughs) He's running for the right place. Like, the best place to escape is (laughs) in another time, so that's where he's trying to go. Is that where he was heading the whole time, you think? I do. I think he was... Well, it's interesting. You know, it's like he was sitting there in front of the hatch, like, guarding it. Right. So what, um, what influenced him to leave that post? I don't know. Maybe he was just like, time to go home. I've done my done my duty. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm thinking like he's like, okay, I've done my thing. I've changed time. Now I'm going to go back to my time and he'll be there. He mm-hmm. being Mickle. I think that's what is going through his head right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Egon tells him to halt. Ulrich just keeps running and... And this, you know, is like Helge tried to escape Ulrich. Ulrich is now trying to escape Egon. (laughs) And Egon takes a shortcut 
and intercedes Ulrich just before he reaches the caves. He arrests Ulrich and asks where Helge is. Ulrich just starts yelling that he changed the murders <laughs> yep. because Helge can't kill anymore. Egon ignores Ulrich's pleas because he says something like, did you kill, you know, where's Helge and where did you kill him like the two boys in the construction site? And then that's when Ulrich's like, what? That still happened? I thought I changed, I changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really have a soft spot in my heart on shows when there's a character like Ulrich and he's saying things and 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 the viewer knows what he's saying but then like to a complete stranger another character it just sounds insane so i i, I kind of love that line of dialogue like that because it doesn't sound sane <laughs> to egon's ears <laughs> yeah however it does not sound sane but you kind of do wish people would at least listen to somebody every once in a while i mean maybe they would if or it, wasn't just raving like a lunatic if he actually, you know, <clears throat> but, of you know, of course, when police arrest somebody, they don't say, so tell me, <laughs> what do you think? You know, they just arrest them. Yep. So we'll question you in at the at the at the jail, you know, yep. or the detention center. <clears throat> so the last little scene for 1953 is that Helge is lying in the bunker and suddenly he sits up and takes a deep breath. So proof, proof in the pudding here. Helge is not dead. Not dead. This is the same way we saw him wake up in the last episode. We were joking. It was like the Mara Franklin wake up, <laughs> except I mean, is he, is he waking up now in 1986? Like we don't see that. We just see his eyes open and he wakes up in the previous episode. He woke up and he was in the blue room. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious yeah. <laughs> where he is like at this second, but we don't get yeah. to see it. And we know that the blue room is in, or at least we think the blue room is in 1986. Right. So um, I almost think that scene, which I think was in the last episode, mm-hmm. I almost wonder if that is happening asynchronously from the action of this like that might be um that might this might be when he first woke up and yeah i don't know and i don't then know when, if it's and the same when, time or not yeah i'm guessing Maybe he was moved it's possible like what yeah. moved to the exact same place it's weird um mm-hmm. Because it's it's odd to see him as a little kid, but we know that the room he's in is a 1986 room, mm-hmm. and it's Helge. The yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we all know it's confusing. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll let you continue. <laughs> okay, so 1986, a man is running in the woods. He's wearing jeans, a leather jacket, and a black ski mask. The sound of a helicopter can be heard flying low over the trees. The man stops to take his ski mask off, and we see a new face. And the character is in pain because his shoulder is bleeding, and he has a gun and a bag of some sort. So here's the gun, Steve, that you're waiting to show up. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm happy to see it, but it's not the same scene that we see in the show intro. Because mm-hmm. in the show intro, we see like a gun slowly being lowered. So I'm waiting for that scene to happen. But we're close. There's mm-hmm. guns happening. And he looks like a bank robber to me. So that's why I, that's why I wrote that down, because they were talking about bank robbers about 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I see what you're, where you're going with that now. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we move to Wyndon High School, and Katarina is out front smoking a cigarette, and she has the black eye and some yes. scratches on her face. Hannah walks past and asks, asks about Ulrich. Is he still in prison? No, he's going to be released today. And what about you and Ulrich? And (laughs) Katerina says that's none of her business and Mm -hmm. that love is stronger than hate. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even if her parents forbid her to see Ulrich, she won't stop seeing him. And then Hannah asks if they know who ratted him out. And then plants the idea that perhaps Regina told. And one of the things that I thought was made, I guess it made Hannah just a tad more despicable than she already is, Mm -hmm. um, is that, I don't know, you get this sense that she because she says something like would your parents be okay will they let you keep seeing Ulrich Mm -hmm. and I don't know you wonder if Hannah knows that she's you know being beaten at home or you know I don't know it's it's just like all Hannah cares about is did I successfully break you and Ulrich up right and she she seems to have forgotten the about the golden rule or one of the golden rules I think of (laughs) life is that when it comes to separating people the more adversity you put at people usually the more determined they are to stay together that's right yeah and we also we have to think about poor Regina who seems so like innocent and sweet and such a such a um prey easy prey for people and it's like why would you pick regina who already has it so rough like pick on somebody else yeah pick on somebody else that'll fight back or maybe do something entertaining when you pick on them because regina just gets sad and that's that's terrible yeah Pick that other person that um, was pushing Regina in the hall the other day. Yeah. That, <laughs> Remember they, you said that girl that was mm-hmm. bigger than Katarina? <laughs> <laughs> they could bounce their energy off each other and then like be best friends afterwards. It'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the nature of bullies, though. They always pick on the weak. Yep, they do. Yeah. So then Egon, older Egon, enters Ulrich's cell with his street clothes and it's time for Ulrich to be released but before he goes Egon tells Ulrich (laughs) I know you're hiding something and um, then Yana is in the hall smoking and as Ulrich comes out with Egon she stands up goes over to meet them and slaps Egon (laughs) right across the face more slapping Got to have at least one. Sl- Got to have at least one per episode. <laughs> um, she says, "Stay away from my family, and I want you taken off of Mad's case." 
And then Ulrich looks over his shoulder and gives Egon an old the old ha ha face. Yeah, he's got mom on his side now. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he's out of jail. Um, mm-hmm. you got to remind me of something here. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I honestly don't remember. We young Ulrich hasn't done anything wrong at this point. Is that correct? Yep, correct. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure there's not something that I forgot. But I mean, yeah, he he hasn't done anything wrong at this point. Yeah. I think he's just again, this is the whole like eternal battle between <laughs> these two and mm-hmm. didn't you say before that since we know younger Egon met older Ulrich, mm-hmm. you were saying he's primed dislike him because even if he doesn't look the same oh he's kind of dialed in to like that vibe yeah that energy yeah yeah absolutely I noticed that Jana like smoking a cigarette in the hallway this is inconsequential mm-hmm. and instead of like putting it out in the ashtray next to her she she puts it out on the floor and stomps it with her boot and then goes and mm-hmm. slaps the cop so, yeah, she's like my favorite kind of lady. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's like interesting to see her here, too, also, because all we've seen so far is the really sad Yana. That's true. That's right. And we've seen the young Yana um, for one sec, just hanging out with um, with Inez in mm-hmm. 1953. But uh, she had some sass and determination here, right? You know, she's like getting things done. Yeah, I guess you're right. I I didn't compare it to the older Jana, And so, yeah, protecting mm-hmm. her kids, getting her kids yeah. out of harm's way. Yeah. Get off Mad's case. Yeah. But, you know, we know that she's... It's easy to get, you know, beaten down or whatever when you're, um, you know, your husband's sleeping around and <laughs> your son's gone missing. So it's easy to see how she became a little more defeatist later in life. Yeah, absolutely. So then Claudia, we get to see Claudia again um, in the in the <laughs> 80s and she slides down the rope. The <laughs> Here we go again. Yep. Um, she's, she slides down the rope in the caves and finds the barrels. And we've seen her do this once already, but she kind of goes back down to visit him again, I guess. Well, um, she's um, she's measuring the radio. She's seeing how, how radioactive they are at this time. And the signal is super strong. So, um, but we have a new thing that happens because she hears a barking sound oh. and it's her dog, little Gretchen from 1953, not looking a day older. Yeah. And still has a collar on too. She can check that collar and see if it's the same dog. And I think that's how she knows it's the same dog. Mm-hmm. So now we have to ask the question. Yeah. Does Gretchen know how to open the door? <laughs> Maybe like Gretchen was like hanging out in the side, like, you know, and like when Hellgate, old Hellgate went through, like Gretchen darted through like <laughs> between his legs. Maybe. 
We've already seen that Helge uh, doesn't doesn't have any control over Gretchen. Well, he did get him to run in with a stick, didn't he? He did. He did. I don't know. Or does the radiation make dogs super eternal? <laughs> Not, I don't know. That's what Claudia's wondering because she like is asking these questions. Well, I think a couple scenes from now. Um, but yeah, she's very curious too. And I know I would be if I ran into like my old dog from when I was like 15. We, we had a dog run away. When I was like 15, dog named Frickus, mm -hmm. and we never saw him again. And if he all of a sudden came up to me now and he was wearing the same collar that said Frickus and had my mom's <laughs> phone number on there, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd go to Burnt and I'd say, what's going on with these barrels, Burnt? <laughs> Frickus. <laughs> Little Frickus. Okay. Yeah. And so now we have one of my favorite scenes of this whole episode. Um, Katarina and Ulrich are near the deer stand oh, this that scene. Jonas okay. slept in a few episodes ago. <laughs> yep. Yes. They're sharing a cigarette, so all the Nielsen's like a good smoke. 100% of them. Well, maybe mm. not nickel. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about their mutual disgust with the world and everyone in it. It's a punk rock. And Regina appears, and she's walking home from school, and Katarina is ready to harass her about tattling. Regina tries to tell her that I didn't do anything, um, didn't do this, but Katarina just knees her in the gut. Yeah, vicious. After she pushes <laughs> her a whole bunch, and then she knees her in the gut. Yeah. Well, it looks very bad for Regina, but... Somebody else shows up, and it's the young man in the leather jacket we saw earlier. And he is hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, forget about... Um, Magnus? Forget about the hot priest. I don't oh. know. Young, uh, young Alexander is so good looking. You think? I don't know. He's he is my he is my type. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I admit that guys are good looking when I see them, but I didn't I didn't see that. What I did see was that he was like a dead ringer for old Alexander. They have like the same face. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Like they got a great actor to play this young Alexander. Yes, definitely. Um. Well, not only is he well, not only is he good looking, in my opinion. I just liked <laughs> how he was like, "You're not going to pick on this girl." Yeah. I mean, he he basically tells Katarina and Ulrich they need to apologize to Regina, and they're like, "Make us!" <laughs> and he shows him his gun. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like people waving firearms around, no. but still, I mean, it, it really got their attention. And they run off, and Regina thanks him, and Alexander faints. <laughs> <laughs> like, he can barely stand. I thought it was interesting how he was, like, violently protecting Regina, and I didn't really see any reason why. I guess he just um, saw two bigger people picking on a smaller person, and he just wanted to put an end to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... That's what I got out of it. We were able to see the origins of our young businessman, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the kind of person he is. He takes sees the moment. Sees the moment, takes action. I, I appreciated that Ulrich wasn't 100% on board with uh, Katerina beating up Regina. At one point, he tries to, to step in and tell her to stop. 
Um, he's you can tell by his body language and stuff. He's not really liking what Katarina's doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you well, you've mentioned before that like you were thinking, well, maybe if Ulrich was there, he would help her calm down and i don't know who knows maybe it seems like katarina's the one that wears the pants in the family yeah you're right you're right so regina realizes he's bleeding and she wants him to go to a hospital but he's like no he doesn't say anything but he just shakes his head and she offers to take him to her place Ooh, taking a hot boy um, to her house huh yeah we and that's where we find out his name is alexander and this is how these two meet. Well, they're protecting, they're helping each other in this case. Like, he got her out of trouble. Now she is returning the favor. Right. So then we have Gretchen in the car barking <laughs> loudly outside the Doppler house. You know, Heather had a question about this, this Gretchen in the car here. Uh-huh. How do you think um, Gretchen got out of that cave? How do you think yes. um, <laughs> Claudia climbed the rope with Gretchen in her hands? <laughs> just a just a query. Don't that's all. Question. Nope. I'm sorry. <laughs> we cannot question the spelunking. I know. I know. I've agreed to like accept it, but they should have used stairs. I don't know. <laughs> the old burned and Claudia talk about the yellow barrels in the cave. She wants to know what happened. And he tells her there was hydrogen gas collected in the tubes. Claudia thinks this all seems shady, but Burns says it's fine. The floor was removed and the waste stored in a safe place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the only people on duty that night were a few people who have been paid for their secrecy and Helge. Of course Helge was there. (laughs) So she asks, but what happened? And... Burns says what happened is the story she will tell. Yeah. Like and her story will impact the whole town, so you need to think carefully about what story you plan to tell others. I love this whole line of dialogue. This whole meeting is great. It's like he's telling her, like, we write our own narrative. Like, history is what we make it. Like, it reminds me of, like, the saying, like, it's kind of... You know, history is written by the victors, and it sure is a really weird coincidence how all the good guys have always won. You know, <laughs> it's like <it> never <laughs> fails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and we've seen these two talk before, and it's always interesting. Before he was telling her, he, he iterated that we have you know, this is, you're responsible for the whole town now. Um, But Claudia continues to want to know the secrets of the power plant, and he's Mm -hmm. willing to tell her, but he's also telling, making sure he's also telling her with caution. But, you know, but it does make you, like, feel unsafe probably about Mm -hmm. any... Um, I don't know, corporation in your town. It's like sure, anything sure. like this. It's like, is this how is this how businesses are run? Um, you know. <laughs> okay, so at Helge's cabin, middle middle aged Helge comes out of the hatch. 
old Helge is behind a tree. Interesting. Watching him. <laughs> so when Helge went into the cave, we were asking, you know, last week, mm-hmm. where did he go? Or was he was he trying to go? And he went to 1986, obviously. Well, Ulrich ended up in 1953 because they took different paths. Right. And I guess old I guess old Helge is keeping an eye on younger Helge or something or just I don't know. He looks like he was trying to yeah. like be in the same area for some reason, but then he ran off. So we don't really know what he was up to. I mean, the last line we heard him say was he can change it. He can change the future and the past. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying that Helge might not be as dement as we think he is. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So Egon is in the police station looking at that note. Why not Forest Road? Mm. And everybody wants to know the answer to that question. <laughs> 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 the clock ticks and he realizes Helge isn't coming to his appointment. And at the cabin, Helge is making figures out of the pine cones and nuts, similar to the ones we've seen. When a car approaches, it's Egon. Helge hides and doesn't answer the door, and eventually Egon leaves. Yeah. So <laughs> this is what I was thinking about this. Helge yeah. is like, he's pretty good at like hiding behind the door, peeking out the window mm-hmm. and stuff. He grew up in a very strict household with a very strict mother yeah. that scrutinized everything he did. So he was probably tiptoeing around that house. He probably knew when she was coming down the hallway He knew how to hide, and I think that's kind of what strict parents can do sometimes, is they they teach you how to be sneaky, (laughs) and Helge is Mm -hmm. definitely sneaky. Yeah. I guess um, it doesn't seem like Egon, again, this is kind of like, you just like come and knock on the door and you leave? I mean, I don't know. He he jiggled the doorknob like he was going to try to come in. Yeah. But he didn't. He could have. Um, I mean, I think. So I he, guess I'd be breaking and entering. Right. Yeah. The door's <laughs> locked. He went over to the, what do you call it? The bunker. The bunker was locked. So, like, what mm-hmm. else can he do? Like, he, Helge did the old pretend I'm not home thing. So. Yeah. I think maybe leaving a note in the door might have been appropriate. But beyond that, I don't think there's anything he could do besides maybe sit there and wait for Helge, perhaps. So then Alexander goes back to the tree that <laughs> we saw him flee to before. He opens the bag and he has a passport with his photo that says Boris Niewald. Interesting. He then opens another passport that has the name Alexander Kohler. He puts the gun, the Boris passport, and some other things into a shopping bag and hides it near the tree and he's being spied on by none other than Hannah. <laughs> oh, don't 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 leave out the last part of that sentence. <laughs> the last person you want spying on you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I think he's in big danger here because I mean, think about it. He's tall. He's got kind of longish hair. He's good looking. He's got a leather jacket. Looks a lot like Ulrich. So <laughs> he's lucky that Hannah didn't fall in love with him and start obsessing over him. I guess that's 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 the danger with uh with Hannah. <laughs> but she 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 must find out pretty quickly that he's got the eye on Regina. <laughs> 
face. So Claudia is in her office with Gretchen on the desk. <laughs> so cute. Her secretary informs her that a young man is here to see her who is a friend of Regina's. This is very surprising information for Claudia to right. learn that Regina has friends, male friends. Yeah. Um, and so Alexander slash Boris <laughs> says he would like a job and he's a metal worker and can learn fast. She tells him there's no work at the moment, but maybe there will be later. She asks for a phone number and he. Yeah, he says he's going <laughs> to come back tomorrow. And that's. Yeah. Kind of, you cut off a little bit there again. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the way he's applying for the job here, just inadvertently, Claudia kind of falls into the, tra- not a trap, but he falls right into the ploy of being like this underground, kind of like un- beneath the radar kind of employee because mm-hmm. he didn't go through the proper channels. Right. And I think that's really interesting. That's something that happens in real life all the time. And it's something mm-hmm. that we're watching here, how it happens. And this is pretty much exactly how it happens. Hey, a friend of mine told me y'all are hiring. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll put you, you know, 10 bucks an hour. Okay, cool. And his persistence is like, you know, I'll just come back tomorrow. I'm not going to give you my number because I don't have one. I'm not staying mm-hmm. anywhere. I'll just keep showing up until you give me work. Yeah, the only phone number he could give her was, would be her own phone number. Bada bing! <laughs> I'm staying in your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wonder if this kind of stuff still happens. Um, oh, yeah. But, but yeah, you, you know, you kind of hope not, but I don't know. No, it does. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so then Regina is in front of a mirror combing her hair. Um, so she's now ready to get beautified now that Alexander's in the picture. That's what I thought was happening. I wasn't quite sure. It didn't look like she was enjoying combing her hair, but she was anyway. And I was thinking it was for Alexander. Mm hmm. All right. Our last 1986 scene. Right on. Helge and Noah in the blue wallpaper room. It looks like they're repairing the time machine slash torture chair. (laughs) (laughs) And Helge looks really upset and asks why it's not working. Noah says it will work eventually and that experiments and failures are part of any success. Helge is ready to quit. He doesn't really want to do whatever they're doing anymore and points a screwdriver at Noah's gut. Yikes. (laughs) Rather than back away, Noah just pushes his body against the screwdriver. It's It's like the kind of scene where you like... Hey, I point the gun at you. Stick your forehead right in the gun. Do it. You know? Yep. (laughs) Um, Total alpha move here. Um, Helge is saying, no thanks, not anymore. You can't can't make me do this. And Noah's like, all right, you want out? Um, Here's your chance, buddy. You know? Um, So he tells Helge basically bullies him into staying by saying that because of all that he's done, he's as good as damned already. So he has to keep going. (laughs) There is no plan or God. So, Mm. um, this is change, you know, a change for the priest. So maybe we're, you know, 
we're thinking back on Agnes's words. My husband was a priest, but not a man of faith. Exactly. Life is a spiral of pain. This room is their ark and he's Noah. <laughs> and they are just going to keep controlling time to create a new world. For the greater and, good. <laughs> yeah. Helge just shrinks back and Noah gives him a creepy hug. <laughs> it doesn't seem comforting, no. <laughs> but Helge takes it. I think Noah was so stoic there because he knew that he that Helge wasn't going to stab him. Kind of like the same reason that um that I know that Ulrich, you know, couldn't kill Helge because Helge's going to grow old. Noah, we've seen Noah in 2019. Allegedly, this scene is in 1986. In 2019, Noah knows he doesn't have a stab wound in his gut. He knows that he's still alive and that this didn't happen. So I think that's the reason that why he was so confident in that scene. Hmm. Maybe? Um, I don't know. I see that. I see that little bit of flawed logic just because um, we know that Noah it's different than like now young Helge can't we know that young Helge doesn't got, die because he's old Helge mm -hmm. like Noah's actually traveling through different time periods is as the same age here um, so I'm not sure oh, that that I see what you're um, saying he's kind of outside of time yeah, he's kind of like I'm existing in all the time periods. He he's a time jumper just like the stranger is. Okay. Um, okay. And Hellgate can do that too. But I do think you're right in saying he knew Hellgate didn't have the gumption to go through with it. Yeah. I think so. I mean, he's definitely conflicted and he's like thinking big thoughts right now, Helge is, finally. <laughs> um, we get a lot more understanding from the, of, of everything from this scene, though, and I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. they, were they were Noah time check, I mean, name-checked time travel right there, gave us a clear indication of what they're trying to do, and he gave us a clear indication that they're, they're not capturing like Eric and Yazin and all these boys to like torture them or anything. Mm -hmm. They're like guinea pigs. They're test subjects for their time travel. And I guess in Noah's mind, it's like you, you break a few eggs to make an omelet and that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. And he's probably explained this to Helge a few times. And, you know, this is probably like the third time around and Helge is like, I can't, I can't stomach this again. This has been like three or four times now. I'm not, I'm not digging this anymore. And that's where this is all coming from, I guess. I liked how they um, made reference to, like, the area that they were at. Because he was talking about, like, the power in the area. And I think that has a lot to do with the proximity that they are to the power plant and to the caves, I suppose. Because mm -hmm. he was talking about, like, harnessing the power that was here. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I, you get the feeling that the caves are near the bunker somehow. Yeah, they're, absolutely. They're connected. So there's power. Um, they also did bring up the Ark, like that it's Noah's mm -hmm. Ark and he's <laughs> Noah and they're creating a new world, trying to populate a new world, I guess, by bringing people into this, you know, 
this bunker. <laughs> um, I don't trust them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting that we've seen him, you know, talk about God's plan with everybody else, like with Mickle <laughs> and with Greta. Mm -hmm. And so here, all the pretense drops away and Noah lets the cat out of the bag, as it were, that mm -hmm. he's, he's putting on the priest thing as a guise. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll move on to 2019. Um, at the Conwald house, Hannah goes to the cupboard and pulls out a box. Inside the box is the shopping bag that Alexander <laughs> left. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, um, it's the shopping bag Alexander left at the tree all those years ago. She has the gun, the passport, everything. So all this time when she's been working for him as a masseuse, she's been waiting to call in this favor one day. <laughs> At the police station, Char Charlotte listens to Ulrich's voicemail that he left for her before following Helge into the cave. And Katerina bursts into the room, wanting to know where Ulrich is. <laughs> Charlotte tells her that Ulrich was suspended, so he could be with the family. <laughs> and Katerina just goes off. And um, assumes he's with Hannah, and she leaves, and it's, it's it's a very it's a it's a funny scene. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be funny, but <laughs> the look on Charlotte's face clearly <laughs> indicates this is a Katarina she hasn't seen be yeah. there before or in a while. I think this scene Back was played up for the, humor a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Back when Katarina was a principal, she was always so calm. And now we can kind of see the temperamental bully she used to be. I love her um, comeback at Charlotte. Like, you think we sit around holding hands all day waiting for Nickel to come home? That's just a funny image that they just sit on the couch and hold hands for five <laughs> hours. <laughs> and I was yeah. mad that she was mad at Charlotte because, you know, my daughter is Charlotte. So I'm like automatically um, <laughs> I want to defend anybody named Charlotte so don't get pissed at Charlotte please yeah Charlotte I mean, if Charlotte's doing anything she's trying to get the she's trying to solve the case yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean at least she's the only person that Katarina doesn't shove around this episode though I think yeah so then Magnus and Francisca are in bed together. We haven't seen them in a, in a while. No, sounds like they've um. consummated their love, huh? <laughs> so she tells him she has to go and starts getting dressed. He holds out the necklace to give to her and says, where did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of like, look, I have this necklace that you happen to drop in that dirty mattress. <laughs> didn't say that but um that was implied <laughs> like she knows where she left it i think yeah um she's like where did oh i have the i had that i was thinking that wrong she says where did you get it and he says under the train tracks and she says just because we get it on doesn't mean you have to know everything about me and he kind of stops her and says he just wants to know the real her not today, says Francisca. 
I think maybe tomorrow, though, or the day after. It seemed like, you know, he touched her a little bit there. Like, at first, she just wanted to get up and get out of there. She's like, he's getting too close. But, you know, with that last gesture, I think I think he got her. I think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't know, yeah, if I, if I saw, like, he got to her, but she kind of is a little gentler in her his her response to him. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you kind of said that before. You know, this just reminds me Yeah, it just reminds me how you you say things sometimes in the in the in the recaps, Steve, that are like really insightful that I don't think you realize how insightful they are, but you mentioned in their episode when they first were making out in the in the gym and mm-hmm. you were like oh he um this he wanted to see the real her you know he's been this is what he's been waiting for you know what's her deal and he finally gets to see that and here he says that specifically you know okay. he just wants to know who she really is yeah me and magnus we're on the same wavelength man we you know <laughs> we're both good huggers <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's a little stalkerish about it, yes. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'm a little stalkerish too. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marta is downstairs in her house, kind of curled up in a ball, and she's calling Jonas again. Yeah. We see Jonas at his house, ignoring Marta's calls. <laughs> <laughs> he's just looking at that red cord. And um, we cut back to Marta. Francisca comes down the stairs, and it's kind of obvious that Marta didn't really see that coming at all. Um, oh, Magnus, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because that's Magnus. So for a while, we in the first, very first episode, Francisca and Magnus would be like, Francisca, Magnus, and then, um, (laughs) you know, Marta comes, you know, Francisca comes on the stairs and Marta's like, Francisca, and she's like, Marta? (laughs) So. (laughs) Um, They don't know what to say to each other, just say their names and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Magnus just comes downstairs looking not one bit sheepish about it at all. He just comes in with his sweats and... Marta's really pissed because everybody else is getting some action for her, I guess. (laughs) I don't think that's why she's pissed, but yeah, okay. (laughs) Kind of. I don't know. I think it is. She's like, yeah, she wants to know why their family has so many secrets. And Magnus says, some things you just want to keep to yourself. Yeah, I thought that was... That was spot on because, you know, I don't think he was keeping it a secret from Martha. He just hadn't told her yet. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's as simple as that. When you don't know something about somebody, they're not keeping it a secret. They just simply haven't told you. And I don't know. I I feel a little bit more for, for Martha in this scene. I think it's more than just that because um, I think she's I just kind of got the vibe that she's just having like a real like identity crisis. That mm-hmm. she's like doesn't know who her parents are. She obviously, you know, her brother's gone, so she has conflicted feelings about that. She's got the two guys, um, and now Magnus is like, you know, he's got a love interest now, and things seem normal for him. So she's probably jealous of that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she just doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know where she belongs, and you know, it's it's tough for her. Right. Her behavior here is pretty normal 
in that sometimes when you're going through a hard time, you tend to focus on one aspect. Sure, sure. So she can't, but then again, you're like, okay, you can't solve maybe any of these other problems, but you think you can solve this problem with Jonas by continuing to call him. And, <laughs> um, uh, or, you know, like when something, things are going bad, you're like, well, I'll just drown myself in so my sorrows by mm -hmm. um, maybe hooking up with Jonas. I, I don't, I'm not saying their relationship is just sexual. I just mean um, she could be checking in with her brother. She could be um, trying to spend time with her mom. But instead, she's focusing all of her energy kind of looking for the looking for the one person that is... Um, you know, not interested in connecting right now. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's kind of so, like we're um a little flip flop because wasn't yeah, wasn't somebody desperately trying to get in touch with her and she was ignoring that person, a person named Bartosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and it's like the power of dopamine um, right at work that <laughs> you tend to long for the thing that you can't have. So then Katerina arrives at Hannah's house and knocks on the door. Nielsen's like to show, you know, just like Hannah likes to show up to Nielsen's house, the Nielsen's like to show up at Hannah's house and knock on her door. Um, <laughs> and she wants to know where Ulrich is. And Hannah tries to play dumb for a bit. Oh, I hate the way she plays dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, before she realizes, Katerina knows about the affair. And Katerina's ready to rant and verbally assault Hannah in the same way she did as a kid. Mm -hmm. But Hannah says, um, I mean, so they're both, they're both kind of defaulting to the normal behavior. Katerina... Yeah, ranting and verbally assaulting, and Hannah is deflecting and lying. Um, so, so Hannah says the affair is over because she ended it. And that Ulrich wanted to leave Katerina and said he didn't love her anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really disgusting. It's super disgusting. It's dangerous what she's doing here. Like, straight up dangerous because... All Katarina and Ulrich have to do is share two sentences and it can like tear apart everything Hannah says here. But mm -hmm. Hannah is like, I don't know, she's just pure evil here. Mm -hmm. And the way she like comforts Katarina while she's crying, that's like some real like Peter Baelish, like Game of Thrones stuff right there. Like she is <laughs> clearly like just a, a despicable character. She could have said um the affair is over Ulrich ended it and Katarina would have been annoyed with her but she would have left but right um but yeah it's her motives just aren't her motives aren't good here and it just yeah this makes you kind of hate her even more it makes me go back and think about if I like her like, mm -hmm. like I'm going back and thinking about things and I'm like, well, what are some like positive things that Hannah's done or what are some good? And I can't think of anything. Mm -hmm. Can you? Well, um, 
I mean, besides being a uh, halfway, well, she's not even a decent mom to Jonah, but I mean, she's nice to Jonah. <laughs> she doesn't yeah, beat she's him. Not, it's like the abs. It's like the absence of bad, not instead yes. of the, the instead of the presence of good. You know exactly. Um, she is his mom, and you know she tried to connect with him before he went to the caves, but again, it was to assuage her own loneliness yeah. that Ulrich wasn't answering her texts. Um, we we did see that she has some vulnerability and has a rejection complex that men always oh. leave her. Um, but, but is she right, so. though? I mean, okay, okay, Michael committed suicide. Okay. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like, it seemed like she had a pretty good relationship with her dad. I didn't mm-hmm. see like any trauma in her childhood. Like we see other characters like with super serious trauma, mm-hmm. but she doesn't seem to have that. So it just seems like this, this character is just, it's just what her character is kind of, de- kind of deceptful. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, um, one of the things is like, we don't, we haven't really, we saw her dad. Right. But we haven't really seen him since or heard anything about him. So it does make you wonder what, you know, he seemed to be a good dad at the time. And this show seems to be full of good dads, (laughs) or at least decent dads. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we don't know that she hasn't had trauma, like has Mm, what happened to her dad and what where's her mom, you know. So um, I don't know. I think I think. yeah, where is we her mom? sort of, yeah. I think we more sort of with with Hannah. She's pretty. She's pretty disgusting and conniving, but she has like a sympathetic core. I feel like. I mean, it's gross what she's doing, but we also know she's the other woman, and that never feels good. So, but yeah, yeah. what are her redeeming qualities? I don't know. She gives good massages. <laughs> You know, lesser shows I've seen, I say lesser shows, I'm thinking of like um, The Walking Dead, where you'll have like a character and they have no consistency whatsoever. Like one episode, they're good. One episode, they're bad. Another episode, they're doing this. And it just, there's no consistency. There is consistency in these characters that we're seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is like a complete left turn for Hannah. This is more like an apex. It's like we've been seeing signs that she is like lying and a little deceptful and kind of like cutting her own course here but this episode really really hammers at home like how deceptful she is mm-hmm. yeah i'm not sure if this is more heinous than her um her tattling on ulrich and then framing regina uh, i'm not sure which one and which action is the most heinous hmm. but you know, seeing Katarina, her her supposed friend, um, in agony about like where's my husband? He she already found out he had an affair, and now Hannah's saying, "Yeah, we had an affair, but I have I have left him. I rejected him, and he's devastated because of me." And you know, so and Ulrich's nowhere to be found to protect himself or <laughs> or uh, cover up this lie. So. <clears throat> He's not necessarily considered missing at this point. He's just not around right now. Right. Yep. Nowhere to be found. (laughs) So then 
Bartosh is at his house playing video games alone. Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the old version of Claudia appears. So this was an interesting scene also. Um, Bartosh comes outside to ask what she's doing on his lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Can I help Um, you? (laughs) Yeah. She tells him that she's his grandmother. And we find out Regina has told Bartosh that Claudia is dead. So he's very surprised to see his grandmother. Yeah. And um, Claudia admits that to Regina, admits to Bartosh that to Regina, she probably is dead because she wasn't a very good mother. And he wants to know more about where Claudia has been. And she says, not now, but gives him a picture of her and Regina to give to his mother. I I thought it was cute how Bartosh was like, um, you know, she was like, it's a long story, whatever. And he's like, well, my mom's not going to be home for a while. I got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. (laughs) You know, he wanted to know. Yeah. Bartosh is, um, this kind of, I think it's nice here to kind of see, you know, so far he's been, um, obsessed with Marta. So here he's sort of getting a new direction, you know, here's a chance to connect with a relative. You didn't, know you had and he seems eager to connect with somebody so yeah yeah right on grandma be back (laughs) i hope because she's cool i like her hair yeah so then hannah arrives at the power plant to give alexander his massage (laughs) and she steps away for a moment and lays the bag down on the floor where Alexander can see it from the his position on the massage table. Yes. And it becomes clear that Hannah's here to blackmail him. And he asks what she wants and she says she wants him to destroy Ulrich. She wants him to lose everything and it um this we can connect this to her conversation with Katarina. She's obviously trying to set him up to look even more horrible than he already is. Yep. So she can swoop in and give him all her love, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was wondering about that, whether she still, I guess it's like, did she still want him or is she like, okay, you spurned me and now I'm going to punish you. I don't know. I think she still wants him. I think of that, that car conversation, it was pretty clear that she's like, you can't get rid of me. I'm going to have you. And this is all her plot to have him. That's what Mm. I think anyway. I don't think she's actually trying to destroy him so she can have the satisfaction and then, you know, go home alone. I I think she wants to, you know, quote unquote, rescue him from his tragedy Hmm. that she's going to (laughs) cause. Well, it sounds like it'll be very happy. Yeah, it'll be now like that a, I've, now that you're miserable here <laughs> I am <laughs> it, it'll be tough but I mean at least she'll have what she wants she'll have that Ulrich right next to her mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the um the choice of having um Alexander here like shirtless I mean I know he just got a massage but I think it's significant like you know he's kind of like naked and he's like exposed and she's the one with the power Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's that's an interesting choice they made to have him like, you know, kind of be shirtless 
while she is telling him, you know, what he's going to do. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. She's got her red bra on. Oh, yeah. Total power move. <laughs> yeah, and he's power stripped, basically, because he's supposed to have the power. He's the most powerful man in town. And mm-hmm. she has taken his shirt off and she's in control. Yeah. So Jonas arrives at his house in the rain. And mm-hmm. we didn't really see what he's. Yeah, this is. I'm like. I almost thought he just came home from 1986, but he was, I think we saw him at his house before when Marta was calling him. Yeah, he was. I guess he was just out for a stroll, perhaps. Out for a bike ride in the rain. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) He stops when he sees Marta waiting for him, and she's soaked and wants to know why he's been avoiding her, and why did he kiss her and now ignore her? He admits it was wrong for him to do that, and she wonders, do you mean it was wrong because of Bartosh? And he says, no, because of us. We aren't a good match. And she says, you know, we're not a good match, right? And then she kisses him to prove him wrong, but he does and walks off. And he really has no way of explaining to her that she's his aunt. Right. uh, just he just leaves her in the rain. This was my least favorite scene of the show. It really was. Every time it would come on, like my third, fourth, fifth watching, I would like contemplate fast forwarding it. <laughs> I didn't like this scene. I didn't like Jonas in this scene, and I think I blamed the director more than Jonas himself. He just didn't do anything whatsoever, like a statue, no emotion. No chemistry. Well, I think, I don't think it's supposed to have chemistry. Like, the, he's turning off the flow of connection between them. Um, it's, very, it's very hurtful, but it's supposed to be hurtful because he's trying to, like, stop disaster from happening. Yeah, I get all that. And I see what the scene's trying to do. It just didn't do it for me. And as, yeah. like, as invested as I am in this show... Like when some of these things like pop out at me, it kind of takes me out of the show a little bit, I guess. And I guess that's what I don't like. And so that's why I didn't like this scene is because it took me out of the show more so than it kept me in. Just because I, I just felt like it could have. Like had, what would you have wanted to be different? Um, I would have liked to have seen Jonas do anything, <laughs> anything at all. And I think that would have helped. Or maybe if this, if the pauses hadn't been so long, you know, I, that's why I say like, I kind of blame the director. Cause I just think it was, um, I don't know. It was just frustratingly drawn out to me and he was frustratingly wooden to me as well. in this, in this particular scene, and this is like a guy that I like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm just going to be a little naysayer here, I suppose. I, I, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more of that this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I think his character is, in general, a little stoic. Um, we haven't, even when he's, even when he's happy, you know, he doesn't really have, hmm. so far, we haven't seen him have strong reactions to much of anything. That's true. Um, he's a very quiet individual. He's not the type, 
he's not like Bartosh where he's saying all these wild things. He's kind of the the one to be a follower, I think. Um, I just wish he could have been rubbing his forehead or playing with his sleeve or something. I just wish he could have been doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe you'll feel differently about it later. I don't I know. Will. I will. I like yeah. Jonas. Um, I mean, you know, just like I said, I just, I just think... I said, but I, I thought think. it was intense. <laughs> I mean, I felt like it was intense the way they were staring at each other. And this is a scene we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for like, how will they interact now that he's discovered this and she doesn't know. We know and he knows, but not her. So I felt like they're they're uh, to me. I remember seeing the scene for the first time and I thought it was intense. I was just like, I felt like you could cut the chemistry with a knife. Um, okay. But yeah. I guess it's me then. I guess it's me because like I, I've been looking forward to this scene too. And I've been looking forward yeah. to how they're going to do this. And then maybe that's why I was a little disappointed. I don't know. What did Heather say? The exact same thing as I said. We, uh, oh, okay. we were pretty eye to eye on this one. Mm-hmm. Like she was saying, you know, he, he should have been saying stuff and like trying to, you know, make his case. Whereas I was like, no, that's not Jonas. He's not going to do that. He would either just yeah. like walk away or I, I didn't expect him just to stand there and stare. I yeah. <laughs> like I well, really wanted him say? to. Hmm? What could he say? The thing is, he can't say anything because right. he, they are a good match. He likes her a lot. So right. what is he going to say? Like, I'm not attracted to you. I don't you know. It's like. What well, can I mean, he possibly say? It worked for you, and I know it worked for everybody else who like who loves this show. And I'm I'm in the minority here, and I guess Heather is too. That um, other scenes that I've seen in this episode have like you know brought out emotions in me, but this one just did not. Mm-hmm. It just didn't just didn't hit me the right way. Yeah. Maybe I'll edit all this out, and I'll just be like, that scene was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, I just, I just think it's, it's okay for you to have whatever opinion you want. I'm just, I think how Jonas acted makes sense to me. So then Alexander calls Waller at the station and I don't like nice. this. You don't like it? Oh, no, I love it. I love it. Okay. I just don't like that Waller is on Alexander's side. <laughs> Um, well, I think, yeah, is he on his side or is he just in his pockets? Like, we've seen that um, Waller is not, he, he don't got no respect, you know. Um, so, <laughs> it's true. Um, so we can see maybe how it was easy for Alexander to get him, um, Alexander to get him in his, in his pocket. But um, on the other hand, maybe the other way we could look at it is maybe it's a good thing that Charlotte doesn't trust him because now right. we find out he's a snitch. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember when remember when he went Waller was the one that came and said, well, how did um, how did they find out about the dead boy when that's supposed to be a secret? And ah. I asked, who's the snitch? I guess it's Waller. It's got to be, yep. I was thinking, too. I mean, we're putting the cart before the horse here. We we have to describe what happens in this scene. But <laughs> I was thinking, well, actually, yeah, you go ahead and describe the scene, and then I'll tell you what I think about Waller. Okay, so um, Waller's asking what he should do with the truck. 
Um, Alexander just says in a few days they can put the par- the barrels back where they came from. And I guess this is what they've been hiding from the police. We had did yes. something like move them where we put them or something yep. like that. And it's these barrels. And it sounds like Waller kind of had a hand in that truck in those barrels too, right? He's not just like snitching or like hiding information or providing information. He's like actively doing stuff. Is that the vibe that you got too? That he might be driving the truck or helping out with that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he he says, what should I do with the truck? What are we going to do with the truck? Yeah, I mean, he may, yeah, yeah, I guess then. Either he was driving himself or he's like kind of a foreman and telling the workers where to put the truck. I don't know. Uh, We've seen him with his eye patch this whole time, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, we don't know what happened at this point, but I kind of think he's a pirate. I think he's a pirate because he doesn't like the police and he's on the side of the bad guys now. So Waller's a pirate. (laughs) That's my big reveal. (laughs) So Regina vacuums the carpets at the hotel and goes into the stranger's room (laughs) to clean his rugs, but gets a real... He sees all of the newspaper clippings and artwork hanging on the wall. (laughs) Well... First, we had that scene of her behind the desk and she like um, notices like there's dust collecting like all around her. So that is what gets her to go out there and clean because she just notices that she's just basically just turning to dust sitting there in the hotel. I think I must have missed that scene, Steve. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Because um, no, exactly that. Like, was it just right before that? It oh, was um real she sees dust like at the desk? Yeah, she's standing at the desk, she's staring blankly into space. She takes her finger and she draws a line in the dust. And then mm-hmm. she kind of like looks up and like seems like she kind of like breaks out of a daze. And then the next time we see her, she's vacuuming and then we see her going into uh the stranger's room here. Hmm. So I was thinking like um a couple things about this scene. Like all the stuff on the walls. Like, I'm wondering if she's like, looks so mesmerized because he's only been there a really short time and he's already got all this stuff on the walls. So it made me wonder if he's been at the hotel longer than we realize or if he's just really quick at hanging stuff up. Yeah, I don't know. But isn't, doesn't he have like, isn't there like a, pictures of like Mickle and Mads mm-hmm. and stuff on the wall so yes. that might also be of interest <laughs> not just the fact that he's hung stuff up but what's hung up right right yeah definitely um and probably just the fact that there is stuff hung up like this is her hotel and she's like what did he yeah. did he use like duct tape what did he what did he do to yeah. my walls did he use the sticky tack what did he use <laughs> my wallpaper's ruined but yeah. yeah, I guess she she was fixating on like they did show us that Mickle picture and I think that she was looking at that too. Mhm. So now the machine is running on all cycles and we get action in all three time periods showing it's all connected. Yes. 
2019, Bartosh waits in a darkened road. Noah's car pulls over and Bartosh tells him that everything he said would happen did and he will accept his offer. So we know that it sounds like Noah's been telling Bartosh mm -hmm. things that will happen. Um, he has this information written, so it makes him look like he can predict the future. Right. He probably told him your grandma's going to show up and then your girlfriend's going to break up with you or something along those lines. And now we got a new guy on his team. It looks like it's Noah, Helge, and Bartosh are part of a team now, right? Mm-hmm. Bartosh is joining the the Noah side. I don't like um, to see that. He should be hanging out with Jonas. <laughs> and then in 1986... Alexander comes back to talk to Claudia and she tells him she does have a job for him, but that it's a secret. Aha. And we know Alexander is really good with secrets. <laughs> yep. It's right up his alley. <laughs> this is where he starts, I think. <laughs> so um, Alexander's in the cave wielding, welding a door shut to block off the barrels. And Claudia holds a lamp to give him light and watches him do the work. This is a path to leadership right here. This is how you uh, get ahead in life. <laughs> you do work for the boss and don't ask any questions. Mm -hmm. So did he make this door? Like, that's what I was wondering is like, was there yeah. no doorway before and he made a doorway or was this just like a simple opening that he affixed a door to? That's the, that's. That's a sense I got because remember when Claudia went down there before there was no bear, uh, wall, right? She just went down and there were the yellow barrels. Mm -hmm, that's right. And so now she's, they've made a door. Well, they're, um, at a, they're at a different area because like you could see the barrels behind Claudia when she was holding the light up. So the barrels mm -hmm. were at her back. Okay. Well, they might've made the door and then moved the barrels inside yeah. the door. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, he came just the right place, just the right time. And it makes me wonder if maybe he has something to do with any of those other doors, because there's all kinds of doors in those caves. Mm hmm. And then in 2019, Benny or Bernadette is shown getting out of a trailer truck and she's been visiting a guest for a paid encounter. A guest. Um, That's nice. <laughs> Well, what it, her trailer says, like, open for business or something. So, yeah, that's right. She's a um, businesswoman. <laughs> she rushes back to her trailer and spots a man standing between two trucks. She solicits him for sexual favors, but the man says nothing. She goes into her trailer, and next the man goes into a truck on the side of the road. It's the stranger. Yes. Um, he enters the back of the trailer truck and we see all the yellow barrels inside. Hidden away. And, yeah. <laughs> he opens one of the barrels and places something inside. Yeah, it looks like he's um grabbing some of that juice out of those barrels or yeah. whatever's in there. I'm assuming it's like radioactive juice because... What's his name? Yeah. Burnt was talking about how a bunch got spilled on the floor and they contained it in these containers. Mm -hmm. And I guess the stranger likes to drink it or something. He's in there <laughs> taking a cup full. This is how the stranger lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he gets, a, he gets a sample. That's correct. And then um, 
1953, Tanhouse uses some tools to investigate what's inside of a cell phone. That's awesome. The old version of Claudia, whom we just saw with Bartosh, enters the shop. This is why she couldn't stop and hang out with Bartosh. She had a, an appointment with Tanhouse. In 1953. <laughs> yeah. He tells her they are closed, and she pulls out a rolled-up parchment. On it are plans for how to build the time machine. And now we know who asked him to build the machine he had when he was talking to the stranger in episode eight. That's right. They're all coming into play now. Claudia is skipping through time because she's old here in 1953 like she should not be. Watch Mm -hmm. out for 1953 Claudia while you're there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, just a little fun factoid here. Our musical interlude is... When I Was Done Dying by Dan Deacon. Yes. Now, dear viewer, if you like this song and you like Dan Deacon, just know that on one of my stories' YouTube channel, there is an interview with Dan Deacon that I did. So, um, I like him too. And uh, this song is is really cool, Steve. Um, If you've... I don't know if you've listened to this song before, how familiar you are with it, but the lyrics... Mm-hmm. Um, really match the show really well because th- there's a loop um, as part <laughs> of the song. It ends where it begins. All right, we're back with Sweet Child of Time. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties there, but we're back in here. And the main thing we want you to know is to please go check out the interview with Dan Deacon that Lindsay did. I'm so jealous that you got to talk to the guy because I love him so. That's great, man. What what a good choice for this episode to end on. I loved it. Um, I think all the notes that I had for this episode, we basically have already gone over. The only thing I wanted to point out is like I'm noticing like teams now. We got like Bartosh, Helge, and Noah on one team. We got Mm -hmm. Peter and Trant over there. We don't know what they're doing yet, but I'm more and more convinced that they're um, on the side of good or at least on the side of don't kill kids <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> but yeah. And then on the other team, it seems like we have um, Alexander Waller now, hmm. Claudia <laughs> and burnt. They're like the, uh, the power plant team, the power plant team in two different time periods, actually three different time periods. If you think about it, like burnt Alexander and Claudia that covers, 53, 86, and 2019, right? Yeah, I guess so. Sort of the big, the two big worldviews I think we're encountering is that we can change the past or everything is predetermined and needs to stay exactly the same, which is one of the oldest questions in history. We better get into our best you know, best and worst characters. And we got to do it. Send this baby home. <laughs> yes, baby. So you want to go first with um, either your favorite or your least favorite, however you want to start. My least favorite is going to have to be Hannah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, we are so disappointed in you. We're waiting. We're wanting to like you. So give us something. Yeah. I mean, she's everybody's least favorite in this episode. I dare anybody to say 
<laughs> that somebody else is worse than her in this episode. Yeah. There's no contenders, right? I mean, we can maybe say Noah because we suspect something's up. But <sighs> Noah's pretty gross in this episode, you know? He's like making women drool. <laughs> <laughs> is that gross? <laughs> Just so his creepy prayers and him bullying Helge. So if it wasn't for Hannah, then then Noah would take the cake. You're probably right about that. I think, yeah, my favorite is my favorite is going to be 1986 Alexander coming okay. in like a white knight to to <laughs> save, coming in like a a white knight or a burglar, <laughs> a cat burglar to rescue. Regina, who really did need someone on her side. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, he showed up at just the right time. And for just the right person who needed somebody, she didn't have anybody on her side, really. Mm-hmm. Like, you could say maybe her mom, but it didn't seem even like that, really. I mean... Yeah, mom just wanted to yell at her about her mm-hmm. hair and clothing and how much she's studying and, yeah. But that's like the nicest relationship we've seen so far with with Regina. Maybe Jonas was nice to her for that brief interaction they had, but Mm -hmm. doesn't really count because they're not even in the same time period. (laughs) That's right. I um, very close to that character, I'd say. Um, I couldn't help but like smile and get excited and just overcome with joy every time I saw Gretchen. <laughs> so, I was so happy to see Gretchen back and I'm just, I'm an animal lover as it is. So, I'm just very happy about Gretchen in that <laughs> that 1986 Claudia has Gretchen back and I know the Gretchen's just a dog, not a real character, but I was like smiling ear to ear every time Gretchen was on the screen. So, go on, doggy. It's you. <laughs> Well, okay, Steve, who's your second pick? Because, I mean, Gretchen is an awesome character, but I feel like you're kind of, uh, you're kind of taking an easy route there. Okay, okay, okay. This is a weird second pick. Um, Mm -hmm. And not because he's my favorite. He's not my favorite. But he's somebody that I was really feeling for this episode. Maybe it's because I want to be just like you, but... I'm saying Helge, even though like he's, I think he's been at my worst and I, I'm very, still very suspicious of him. And I don't, I don't know what to think of him, but I do know that I feel for him a lot. I'm, I'm, the show is making me feel empathy for him or sympathy or something. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing their job. And so I'm, I'm enjoying watching Helge and what he's doing. I was fascinated by seeing the two Helges next to each other. And seeing him come out of the bunker with those gloves on and carrying that like little white, that that pink pail, like, you know, it's so cute. I don't know. <laughs> Making his pine cones. I, I would say yeah. if, if, if I can't pick Gretchen because you're being mean and you're saying I can't pick Gretchen, I'll pick Helge. <laughs> I'm being a regular Noah. I'm holding the screwdriver to your uh, to your abdomen, man. <laughs> Uh, do it, Steve. No, but I mean, I th- I think that's a good pick because you're right. Helge is it. He's we got the two Helges in the same time period, so that's intriguing. But also, it was good that he 
tried to stand up for himself, even though he backed right. down. He's trying to break out of his fate as, yes. um, you know, in, in, in most time periods now, he's been kind of in a lesser position of power. Yeah, hapless kind of. Yeah, he's actually trying to stand up for himself here, and maybe he wasn't successful, but um, we see that eventually older Helge does that again. You know, he escapes from the nursing home Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and is, like, trying to take charge of his own fate and not be a puppet. Yeah, and it was that scene, too, with Noah that I think, like, turned me around because it showed that he had a lot of compassion and he was just kind of like a, I don't know, I don't want to say he's a victim of Noah here or anything like that, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, you know, you, you feel for the guy because you can see that he's feeling things too. Yeah, and, and I think we have to we have to also contemplate the possibility that, um, you know, Helge delivered the boys to Noah, but did he realize the boys were going to die? I mean... right. <laughs> And I know that maybe that's not what was the intention, um, but we find out he, you know, he does see the boys die because of like Yasin. Um, yep. He has to deliver Yasin's body, and I guess Eric's also. Yeah. And so that now he's questioning whether he wants to be part of something where people are going to get killed. Yep. Yep. Right on, man. Well. I guess we got to wrap this up since we're well past the two hour mark now. And we've gotten our, uh, what do you call those superlatives in for this episode? But Mm -hmm. until next episode, um, you're going to go check, you being the listener, are going to go check out that Dan Deacon interview because I am too over there at one of my stories. Uh, You can read this written recap over at one of my stories or maybe watch them on the YouTubes, um, oneofmystories.com. That was B. Lindsay. And Lindsay, this past week, have you done any other um, reviews or any other recaps? I didn't review anything else, but I have seen the new Spider-Verse movie, Ooh. which is across the spider is and, the second one. Definitely worth checking out. Are you going to do a write-up on that or a podcast? I'm not sure I'm going to have time, but it is a, I will say it's a monumental achievement in animation. Okay, yeah, the first Spider-Verse was crazy good. I don't like mm-hmm. Marvel movies at all, and I loved the I loved Into the Spider-Verse. So, I'll definitely check it out. Maybe not in theaters, but I'll definitely check it out. Um, I don't have anything to plug this week. I'm just same old introvoid. Sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com is where you can write us. We'd love for you to write it right in or follow us on Instagram. Um, I think that's about it for this week. Lindsay? I hope you always find water and shade until next week. Steve, I hope you find water and shade and someone to tie your tie when you need it. (laughs) I got that here. I got Heather. She's got me straight. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Glad to hear it. Until next week. Have a good one from Sweet Shot of Time. Always find water and shade. Bye-bye. Bye.